0: Some of the greats, you know, Alexander the Great, for instance, uh, my favorite thing I ever learned about him was he literally was in, in the front line of every battle leading the charge, um, even when he became a great general. And I mean, how amazing how, you know, he's a leader of the, of the known world and he's still in front of his, of his uh, military leading the charge.
1: the Answers from Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lowell. I'm excited to bring you the best and brightest answers from leadership from around the world. Now let's get started. Today we have Jonathan David Lewis on the show. Jonathan is a branding and business strategist, Having honed his skills during the lean years of the recession, Jonathan helps brands navigate today's unforgiving new business paradigms. Jonathan also is the author of Brand vs. Wild, Building Resilient Brands for Harsh Business Environments. Jonathan, is there anything else you'd like listeners to know about you?
0: Um, I think you did a great job. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun and looking forward to talking about leadership.
1: Yeah, great. Yeah, you know, and the, the, just the name of your book interests me, so... <laughs> Um Heck yeah yeah excited to talk about that a little bit. How would you define leadership
0: yeah that's a that's that's a big question It's probably also in the simplest terms um I guess something around servanthood or serving others um you know the best leaders in my life at least never lorded things over me or you know were um harsh, <laughs> you know the best leaders. In my life, I've always wanted to follow, and um, I think even just the concept of leading—you know, you're out in front of somebody, and and somebody has a choice to follow, right? <laughs> you don't you don't uh, chain them to your leg, and they have to walk behind you. So I think it comes back to something like servanthood, and and even in in things I've looked at in history, some of the some of the greats, you know, Alexander the Great, for instance. Uh, my favorite thing I ever learned about him was he literally was in in the front line of every battle leading the charge, Really, Um, even when he became a great general. And I mean, how amazing how, you know, he's a leader of the, of the known world and he's still in front of his, of his uh, military leading the charge. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's serving in, in its simplest form. Great.
1: I love that definition. And I learned something because I did not realize Alexander the Great did that. Part. Yeah, right. You know, and it seems like today so many leaders are stuck in the corner office, head down. They're not willing to get out there with the people and work alongside them.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And what's interesting, you know, usually when you, when you have a leader, like, I don't know, we're talking about military here with, with Alexander the Great or Patton or somebody, uh, but there's a lot of other great leaders in business and other places. The people that were following them, uh, you know, adored them in many ways and, and, um, we were really there by choice they wanted they to be there they they believed in them and believed in in the vision they had and and it was uh it wasn't a, an issue of somebody hiding away or um you know being forced to be there and so if you're a leadership is so much more than just a title i mean you can become a you know fill in the blank manager or a fill in the blank acronym ceo cfo coo whatever the case may be but goodness to really lead, to get to the point where people adore you. I mean, have you I mean that, that takes that that requires a lot more than just having a great plan and work hard. You know, it requires you to look at people as people and to be humble in a lot of regards and to serve them so that they want to follow you. Right.
1: Yeah. Now that we've got our definition of leadership there, um, you know, we I've mentioned that you have a new book, Brand vs. Wild. What's it mm-hmm. all about?
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So Brand vs. Wild really kind of in a nutshell is how do companies, how do business leaders, how do brands navigate this in, incredibly overwhelming new economy that we're all trying to deal with today? So the, this pace of change, the ever-increasing pace of change, and the turmoil in every industry, in every domain, you look at politics and technology, and it, really that's the wild. And as a brand, I mean, what do you do? How do you build something of value? How do you get through this situation where tomorrow's not guaranteed, and everything you thought you knew about business just isn't seem to, doesn't seem to work as well as it used to? So it's all about brands navigating the wild, and I, I pull from survival psychology and our own research into business to really illustrate um, how, how businesses can navigate today. All
1: right, great. I love that. Um, you know, for me, I, I love the outdoors. Get out in the wild quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last year, two years ago, did a forty-two mile hike. Wow! Through um, through pictured rocks, mm-hmm. and you know, it, the the wild can kind of become this overwhelming thing where you don't know where you're going next. Mm-hmm. And you know, is, is that kind of what the book's talking about with businesses? You know, they're going through and everything. You know, things may look the same, but they're changing just just
0: a slight bit. Absolutely, you know, I mean the analogy is we're all in the wilderness now, right? We're all trying to find our way, many of us are lost. But what's really fun about it is it's not just a, a cool analogy. There's actual research and actual science behind this where our own company we were in the wilderness a number of years ago. About 10 years ago we made the Inc 500 fastest growing companies list. We thought we were on top of the world. You know, we made it. Watch out world, here we come. And as soon as we made the list, we went backwards. Our growth stalled. And we entered this, this time period in our company's history where we were in our wilderness. We didn't know who we were, where we were going, and we had a lot of turnover. And the one benefit of making the Inc. 500 list at that you know uh, time was that we had access to all the other winners over the last 20 years. So we did our, our conducted our first national study. And we were curious because we were having our own hardship. Why are some of these high-growth companies facing adversity, facing their wilderness, and continuing to grow, finding sustainable growth, and others hitting some sort of adversity or hardship and going backwards. And we discovered there's seven factors that affect growth in business. Now, what's so much fun about this is three of them are external. They're things like the economy, technology, you know, aggressive competition. Four of the seven statistically significant factors that affect growth in business are internal. They're inside of companies. There are things like a loss of nerve, a loss of focus, inconsistency, and a lack of alignment on the team. Now, what we discovered that led to the book is that those same factors are highly correlated with the latest in survival psychology, so much so that I can say something kind of crazy. There's very little difference between a group of people that crash land on top of a mountain or go on a 42-mile hike and get lost and how they psychologically react to that situation very little difference between them and a group of business leaders dealing with an unexpected challenge. Both have a predictable response to disruption. Really?
1: And what, what is that response?
0: So of those internal dynamics, they hit in, in sort of a, a, a cascading order. So the first thing that happens when you're lost, whether you're on your 42-mile hike and you wander off the trail or you're a company who is disrupted. Uh, the first thing that, that happens is you deal with a loss of nerve. You deal with fear. And a very specific series of events happens. Physiologically, you're, the part of your brain that's very rational sort of seeds control to the irrational part of your brain. All this blood's pumping, adrenaline, three different hormones, and you start to make very bad decisions. So the research tells us if you're lost in the wilderness, people will throw down their supplies. People begin to run. They don't know where they're going. They just begin to run. Um, And there's even research that that says some people who are lost hide from their rescuers because of shame or something else. I mean people do crazy things when they're afraid. So as soon as you're afraid, then as a brand, as a company, you begin to drift. You lose your focus in the marketplace. And this is where companies try to be all things to all people. And if if you don't have sharp elbows in the marketplace – you don't stand for anything. You're vanilla. You're just you don't you don't mean anything. There's no reason for me to to want to do business with you. Once you're afraid and lose your focus, drift. That's when companies and people turn wild, and they become very inconsistent. And it's interesting when you look at the research in in the wilderness. Um, you know, people are acting erratically. You know, they're as I mentioned, they're running, they're throwing their their supplies down. They're very the wild will turn you wild. Because you kind of lose it. You lose your mind. The final thing that happens, and unfortunately, is – um, companies and people in, in intense situations turn savage. They lose alignment on the team. So they can't agree on what they're doing, you know, where they're going, how they're going to get there. So they turn on each other. They kind of hunker down. And that's where in companies you get turf wars, politics, gossip. You know, Check out the retail apocalypse, right? Hey, all these companies, Sears, JCPenneys, they're all suffering right now. If you were to sort of sneak inside and, and listen to one of their management meetings – You'd very likely find that the best people have left the company. That the, everyone's protecting their own little turf. They're they're very siloed. There's all this internal drama, because they they're dealing with that final, very predictable response to being disrupted, which is savagery. Oh,
1: that's that's very interesting. You know, it kind of blows me blows me away that people would be people. You know, whether in the wild or in organizations, would begin to hide. When, when, Isn't that
0: crazy? <laughs> You, you just lose your mind. I mean, you don't, you're not thinking straight, so you do crazy things.
1: So while that seems foreign and odd to me, how would somebody overcome that fear and get out, of the, get out of the hiding? Or, I mean, how would they redirect the fear so that they can recover? You know,
0: this is something that Boy Scouts and survivalists will tell you around the world. They'll tell you the same thing. If you're lost, if you're afraid, if you're acting erratically, if you can't get along with the person next to you, the first thing you need to do is stop. And it's an acronym. It's stop, think, observe, plan. You need to stop. And what's so – it's so simple but it's so hard because the it's really the last thing you want to do when you're lost. The last thing you want to do is sit down and everybody tells you just stay in one place. The rescuers will find you. Well, you don't want to. Your body is screaming for action. It's pumping blood. You got to run. You got to go. You got to find – You know, get rescued. So the first thing you have to do is stop. And what this, this really does psychologically is as you're overcome by fear, this is your first act of courage. It's forcing yourself to stop and you're allowing your body to kind of cede control back to your rational part of your brain and you regain your, your, your logical thoughts. And then once you've stopped, that's when you begin to orient to – if you're in the wilderness. To your surroundings, you know, did I bring supplies? Does anybody know where I am? Did I tell anybody? Uh, Do I have any flares? You know, can I hear water? Is there a a mountaintop I can climb? All those sort of things. In in a business scenario, orienting yourself is absolutely vital. As you begin to, to look at the marketplace and ask, am I relevant anymore? What do my customers actually want and need? You know, where do I need to go? How do I need to become relevant again? So those are the first two things. As you're perhaps in, in the midst of this pretty vicious cycle of uh, or, or reaction to disruption, that's very predictable, but people find it very difficult to overcome that. But it's it's a pretty straightforward process to do so.
1: Okay, great. As businesses, they can become lost too. And is there anything leaders can do, you know, to encourage people to to do the stop, you know, to you know, stay, sit, stay, observe, think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. What yeah, can we do? Absolutely. You know, when, I, when we think about leadership in the midst of of companies sort of navigating the wilderness, dealing with uncertainty, it all comes back to leadership in many ways. And, you know, in the book, Brand vs. Wild, I tell true stories of of survival situations where Teddy Roosevelt leads an expedition uh, down the Amazon or Ernest Shackleton tries to become the first person to traverse Antarctica from one side to the other. And, you know, all all of these intense situations where some people uh, dealt with that intense situation and, you know, they suffered, they died, they weren't successful. Other groups like uh, Teddy Roosevelt or Ernest Shackleton had their hardship, but in the end, had some level of success or notoriety from it. And really what we found is the key difference between groups that are in the most hellish environments on earth and can make it through and those that can't wasn't anything external. Didn't have anything to do with how many supplies they brought, what the weather looked like. You know, all, even health, you know, even kind of your physical being, well-being isn't as predictive as the internal dynamics of your team. So it was the morale. It was the, the relationships of Ernest Shackleton's team and his ability to lead them. And it was Teddy Roosevelt's ability to lead his expedition that really was the marked difference. So it, leadership, absolutely. Leadership is everything in those situations.
1: So you're saying as leaders we need to have good relationships with our team, keep that morale high, and then that can help us get through these type of situations.
0: Certainly, and you know goodness if you're in, if you 're embattled as a company, if you are um, if you 're in the wilderness and you're but you're the leader and responsible for a group of people or, or a company in the midst of what is a pretty scary situation out there and it can be in different environments it it's lonely you know it's scary all of those internal dynamics a loss of focus you know loss of nerve, all that stuff is even heightened for you as a as a leader so the first step is kind of just understanding yourself you know where are you? Do you have focus? Do you have nerve? Are you aligned with your team on what's supposed to happen here? and if you can understand that, then you can start taking the action stop, orient, focus your team, adapt to a new environment there's all these prescriptive things you can do and you you know you can buy my book, you can check it out online there's a million people that will, that will give you good tips on what to do. But that's not enough. It's not enough to do. As a leader, you need to understand yourself, understand your, your mental space, and then understand how to encourage healthy relationships with your team because that, in fact, can be more important than the brilliance of your plan on how you're going to fix things.
1: And you mentioned right there that you, know, you need to understand yourself and the dynamics of your team. How, how would you go about doing that?
0: You know, this is something we do every single day. I mean, my, my company, McKee Wallwork, we are experts in turning around stall, stuck, and stale brands. And really, we put this into practice by getting people around a table and in a retreat setting and working through a very specific set of procedures to, you know, get alignment around what are we trying to achieve? Where are we going? And one of the things I recommend in the book is to kind of initiate your bearings cycle. So one of the really cool piece of research we discovered where everybody sort of assumes or, or, or wonders they see a movie where someone's lost in in a desert and they wonder, would you really walk in a circle if, if you were lost in the desert you know and a researcher actually decided to go test this. they recruited people they put them, uh, they strapped them with GPS and they dropped them in a desert and then they dropped them in a forest and they said, okay, try to find your way out try to walk in a straight line and what they discovered was the, the difference between people that could walk in a straight line and those that actually walked in circles, which was a lot of them, was whether or not you had your bearings, whether or not you were oriented to your surroundings. So the people that were walking in an overcast condition where they couldn't see the sun or they couldn't see a mountain in the distance tended to walk in circles. Or maybe nighttime where you couldn't see the moon, they tended to walk in circles. So having your bearings is everything, kind of orienting yourself. So the bearing cycle starts with – what is my short-term goal? And you, you need to decide it for yourself as a leader and then get your team on board. So my short-term goal, I'm in the middle of, of the woods. My short-term goal is to make it to that mountaintop. Great. Well, as you're making your way to the mountaintop, you need to stack your stones along the way. And this is – you're from probably familiar as, as somebody who's very active yourself with cairns. In the, in the middle of the wilderness so stacked stones and they're very ancient it's an ancient practice and they, they're both used for there's some uh, meaning behind religious and or sacredness. they're also used just to mark a path. but if you're uh, if you're hiking to your mountaintop, that's your short-term goal. you stack your stones so that as you're going you can keep looking backwards and if you if your stacked stones are in a straight line, then you're, you're walking in a straight line. If they're all over the place and they're staggered, you're walking in circles or they're, you know, they're misaligned. And this is the idea that you need to, to measure your performance along the way so you know if you're heading towards your goal. And then the last um, step in the bearing cycle is often the most important but the most neglected. And this is once you make it to the mountaintop, once you achieve whatever goal you're trying to achieve, you need to confirm that you've made it with your whole team and then celebrate it. You need to really take time out of your day, even if you're the most busy person in the world, take time to celebrate the smallest victories. This is something that we learned from Ernest Shackleton, who really led a a group of men through one of the most hellish environments on earth, didn't lose a single person after he lost his ship that was crushed between these giant ice flows and had to hike out and these different things. He would use any excuse to celebrate. It didn't matter what it was. It could be the, the silliest thing, a birthday or, um, you know, we got we killed a goose today and we're going to eat goose. Or whatever it was, he would use that as an excuse to celebrate because he understood the importance of of morale and actually acknowledging when you've arrived. So the burying cycle is one of those small but important tools as you're trying to find your way through the wilderness. Great. Yeah,
1: I, lo- I love how you said celebrate. You know, mm-hmm. we, we get caught up in so much – of the daily grind that we forget to say, Hey, we got, we, Hey guys, we actually did this. We've exactly. made progress, you know, now let's look, look forward to what's next. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you give an example of something that you've celebrated in your business?
0: Everything. <laughs> and we're actually, we made this a point of trying to get better at it. <clears throat> so in my business, you know, it's, there's a lot of pressure. We're in marketing. And we're marketing consultants. So there's a lot of pressure. We're very, very busy. We measure everything by minutes. You know, what? how much time have I spent on this and that? Um, and there's just a lot going on. And so it's very easy to not take time with your team to celebrate something. So we've actually really worked hard to try to acknowledge it. And it can be – it really can be anything. Of course we celebrate our team. So anniversaries or, or birthdays. And a lot of people – some people, I should say, kind of look down on that. It's like, oh, great, another piece of cake. But you need to take time to honor your team, even if it's something fairly minor. Uh, but even beyond that, certainly, you know, we've made a big deal out of my book that I recently released. Um, as a, it's a, it's a big moment in our company's history, and we've taken a lot of time to mark that. Of course, and, and all the people that have helped contribute to make it real. So we work really hard to celebrate. No, I love
1: that. What do you wish you would have known about leadership or success when you were in your 20s?
0: Interesting. Um, I would probably go back to something that happened to me, um, really sort of the the smallest thing. But I was on my way to work. I was in college, and I was late, so I was speeding. And a police officer pulled me over. And um, there was a lot going on in my life at that time. And he came up, and, and when he was handing me the ticket, the last thing he said was, "Slow down, young man." And I remember hearing that and taking it far to mean far more than just "slow down, young man." That in my whole life I was so impatient about everything and, and always racing from this to that, and that you really do need to, to slow down and find some level of patience. That there are certain things you know, I've been, I've always been ambitious. There are certain things you just have to experience you have to live through so that you have something to say i couldn't have written a book you know years ago because i didn't even though I had the ambition and maybe the time and maybe even the talent i didn't have anything anything to say i didn't have the experience so I think you know humility, slowing down, learning some patience would have been really good for me or earlier on as I look at my career
1: that's some great advice i mean. Seems like we're always being told to hustle and you know go go go, get there as fast as we can. So slow down, be patient. Just mm-hmm. great advice. And you've shared a lot already. Um, is there any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share as we wrap this up?
0: Sure. Uh, you know when I think of, of Brand versus Wild, and and when I really boil down the essence of what it's all about, I would say this. The future is about resilience. The future is not how we used to define success. It's not about how how big your company is or how much money you make. It's not about scale, it's not about intellectual property or longevity. You know, it's not I've been in business 30 years so somehow I'm better than another company. Those things in fact in many ways are vulnerabilities in today's modern economy. The future belongs to resilience. And that requires a very different mindset for leaders for Um, brands, being resilient means that you emphasize flexibility over efficiency, which depending on your personality type might be a very difficult thing to do. And it requires you to to understand that connection is now more important than craft, which if you're a craftsperson can be a very scary thing to hear. So the future belongs to resilience, and if if there's one thing I hope people Learn or, or, or take from Brand vs. Wild. It's that resilience is what it's all about. Fantastic.
1: Last question, Jonathan. So, somebody enjoyed listening to you today. Where can they find you online?
0: Well, certainly you can find out uh, more about me and my company and, and find my connection to my social profiles on JonathanDavidLewis.com. Um, and if you're looking for Brand vs. Wild, you can just search for it on, on really anywhere books are sold, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, etc.
1: Great. I'll make sure to have your website linked up along with a link to Amazon a link to Amazon where they can purchase brand vs wild. Wonderful. All right. Thanks again, Jonathan. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Jonathan David Lewis. His insight into the world of brands and business and how their reaction to change was fascinating. Being an adventurer myself, I found it intriguing that businesses often react in a similar way to someone being lost in the wilderness. I'm glad Jonathan shared how we can overcome that mindset with the STOP acronym. To get the show notes for today's episode and purchase a copy of Jonathan's book, Brand vs. Wild, go to jmlalone.com. You'll find everything right there. Until next time, continue to lead well.